Well, good afternoon, Soul City Church. How are you doing today? Doing good? Oh, don't you feel good? I know it's so like cheesy to talk about the weather, but come on, it's Chicago. We have to. So I want to welcome you to spring for the third time this year. We're hoping this time it sticks and we get it a little longer than a week, but it is so beautiful outside and I'm so uh, grateful that you're here. Just by you being here or you watching online or listening to the podcast uh, says something to me. It says that you're at the very least curious about who God is and what it might mean to be in a relationship with him, or you're serious about growing in your relationship with him. And I just, I'm, I firmly believe that you are here for a reason greater than you even realize, that God actually brought you here, and he has something for you today that you may look back on years from now and say, you know, it was that one weekend, and then you can fill in the blank with whatever that may be. I think you're here for reasons greater than you realize. And so for me, as one of the lead pastors here, I'm just so, so grateful uh, to be with you. If I didn't say, did I say my name yet? Did I say that? Jarrett? Okay, it's Jarrett. All right. Hey, hey everybody. Got to make sure I say that. Um, yeah, you know, for uh, our church, one of the things I love most about our church is how you all respond to God's promptings, how you respond to challenges or, or opportunities. And for the last couple of years, uh, really the last eight years as a church, we as a church have actually run the Chicago Marathon in partnership with World Vision, Team World Vision. And the reason we run is to bring an end to the global water crisis that hurts so many uh, folks in so many profound ways around the world. And so we run to raise awareness and we run to raise resources. And it's been amazing to see what you all have done over the last eight years. Last year, we had 77 people from Chicago run the Chicago Marathon, many of them for the very first time ever running anything like that, 77 last year. Can we celebrate that? That's pretty amazing that they did that. That's no joke. If you've ever run the marathon, it's no joke, okay? So last weekend, we heard about an opportunity uh, from World Vision to run the marathon this fall. And we had a goal just internally, like, boy, it'd be great to see more folks get involved. It was one of the most important, one of the hardest, most important things I've ever done. We know that for anyone who runs, it is a life-changing, transforming thing. So we had a goal of 100 people. Wouldn't it be amazing if we, and now, you know, for us, like, we've never gotten that before, but that would be awesome if 100 people from our church ran the marathon. So Rusty came and he talked about why we do what we do when we run. And we gave an opportunity to go hear more and sign up for the marathon, to sign up for the Chicago Marathon after church last Sunday. And do you know how many people from this church signed up? 177 people from this church signed up to run the Chicago Marathon. I mean, y'all just blew, we don't know how to set goals around here apparently. So y'all just blew it out of the water and the response was so overwhelming. Uh, Easily the largest response we've ever had. And here's what's so great. That is a powerful community that's gonna be doing one of the hardest things they've ever done together. And we then as a church this fall get to come out and support them on Marathon Sunday. So way to go to saying yes to God in that uh, way. This last week, Jeannie and I were on a a video uh, call with a bunch of church planners, people who are just starting churches from scratch all over the country. And... Uh, One of the people, one of the church leaders said, hey, how do you get people in your church to do anything? We can't seem to get people in our church to do anything. And I just laughed like, that's not our problem. Like this, you are one of the most activated, courageous groups of people we've ever been around. If you're new around here, this is a good group of folks to be around. They're going to get you to do some stuff you're uncomfortable with. And you are a courageous group of individuals. And you are by far, and we got to share with all these church leaders around the country that you are some of the most generous people 
we have ever, ever, ever met. I'm telling you that sincerely. You are a generous, generous church. You get that what you got is a gift from God. And you give back to God, and by doing so, you enable the work of this church to go well beyond the walls of this church. And you're going to hear from some of our partners in just a little bit that we're able to extend the work that they're doing financially and through volunteers in incredible ways because of your generosity. Our church sets aside a pretty significant portion of our budget at the start of the year just to go towards our Love Works initiatives here in the city and around the world. And that's all possible because of the courageous act that we're about to experience together. You saying, I get that this is all from God and I want to give back to him. And so if you're a guest here, you're brand new around here, we have zero expectation for you to feel any obligation to give over this next couple moments. But for those of you who call God your father, call this church your home, you believe in what God's doing in and through this local church, uh, we want to invite you to give courageously, generously, and joyfully. Three ways you can do that. Uh, the old school way, in a minute, our host team's going to come forward, and you can give the old school way in the bucket if you like the sound of paper hitting plastic. That's for you. You can text in to give. That's a really fast way. If you've never done given before to this church, that's a great way to get kind of kickstarted in that. Or you can set it up online. That's how my wife and I do it. That's how actually the, the majority of our church gives is online. Like you do almost everything else in your life. We set it up that way. Jeannie and I say we set it up so that we don't mess it up. We set it up so we don't mess it up and hold back from God um, to a God who's never held back from us. And so I'm going to invite our amazing host team to come forward. We're going to multitask as they come forward because as they come forward to give you a chance to respond to God, I want you to actually put your hands together and welcome our incredible panel today for our Love Works weekend. Look at y'all. Take your time. Take your time. Well, this is a, a real treat for me. You hear from Jeannie and I a lot, but what we wanted to do is uh, let you hear from some amazing folks and some amazing leaders uh, here in our city, all serving from different vantage points and different organizations um, that can give us a really powerful perspective on how God sees this city and how we can begin to see and love this city the way that he does. And so you are here on a very, very, very special weekend. So I thought what would be fun is to have each of them introduce themselves, who they are and what they do. Uh, and Vance, we'd, I'd love to start with you. Very good. Uh, good morning. I believe you can do better than it. Good yes, morning, Soul on, City. Give it to him, Vance. My name is Reverend Vance Henry. I serve as Chief of Faith-Based Partnerships and Initiatives in the office of the Mayor Rahm Emanuel. Uh, and in that capacity, I'm res chiefly responsible for facilitating uh, and acting as a liaison between various segments of our faith community, temples, churches, synagogues, and mosques, and the ways in which they serve their neighborhoods and the ways in which sometimes they need support access to resources and services of the city and being a liaison to help that to help make sure that they have those kind of supports and services uh, we're blessed in chicago to have extraordinary faith in institutions one of which we're sitting in right now um, that do um, extraordinary work uh, which is one of the reasons why i believe chicago is one of the greatest cities in the world that's right that's right. Awesome. Well done, Vance. How, how you liking the socks? Come on, Vance. Every time. I don't even know what's so special. He's got to bring up the socks every time. Setting the bar high. He's setting the bar high. That's right. All right, Katie, let's hear from you. Good morning, Soul City. My name is Katie Stearns, and I serve, my day job is as Senior Director of Mentor Engagement at an organization called I Mentor Chicago. 
which means, oh, we got some mentors in the house, um, which means I get to spend my days helping connect Chicagoans to a meaningful volunteer opportunity, the chance to be a mentor for a high school student. We have a, a nearly 40, wow. not 175 yet, uh, but nearly 40 um, Soul City folks who already mentor with us. Um, wow. And it's a joy really to see people get connected to meaningful volunteer opportunities. That's awesome, Katie, thank you. A lot of you. Yeah, give it up for Katie. Sorry, I'm sorry, I was trying to steal your thunder. I'm sorry. You deserve all of that, and then some. Eladio. Good morning, Soul City. My name is Eladio Dominguez. I'm an educator, organizer, activist. I've uh, been an activist since I was 17 years old. Um, feliz, dia, feliz Cinco de Mayo for everyone out oh, there. Oh, come on now. To celebrate today. Yes, dude. But I also had the privilege of running for alderman in the 25th Ward this past election cycle, and it was quite an experience. <laughs> so I'm pleased to be here. Thank you very much. And not only that, let's give it up for Eladio. Not only that, but you're a walking wounded today. I mean, you, against all obstacles, showed up here today. Tell everyone about the dramatic injury that you suffered uh, this last week. I was out in the streets, in the out streets in these, of Chicago. Out in these streets, out in these streets. <laughs> playing ball, and I rolled my ankle. You what now? <laughs> I was playing ball. And you what? And I rolled my ankle. And you rolled your ankle. Oh, okay, all right. But you're still on crutches nonetheless. You hobbled I, out here. I, I am on crutches. I did hobble out here. I appreciate so it. So I can show the public how I have more holes in my jeans than you do today. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it takes a lot. It takes a lot. It takes a lot. All right. Uh, full disclosure, a lot of you and I have been in small group for a while together, so we get to have a little bit more fun with each other like that. So full disclosure. Okay, Yolanda, tell us a little about yourself. I'm Yolanda Fields, Chief Program Officer, Breakthrough Urban Ministries. I am Come also... On the wife of a pastor um, and we serve in East Garfield Park. I am excited to be here. I am inspired by the sock ministry. Yes, the, the sock ministry. ministry. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking I need to rethink you what I've been called to. to. Yes, you might need to ask God for a better calling. Floral That's ministry. Right. The floral yeah. ministry. Accessory ministry. We got all kinds of options here. Lots of next steps at our church. Um, so thank you for, for being here. I told each of them uh, we have some questions that I really think uh, are, are going to guide our conversation today. But I told them the first question, I wasn't going to tell them each time. I was just going to surprise them with the first question to get just, you know, their response. And so what I'd love to hear from you, we've talked about a couple of different things over the last couple of gatherings, but this is an easy one. What's your like go-to restaurant in the city of Chicago? We got folks here who made it this far to church, but they did not make plans for lunch afterwards or they did not make plans for dinner yet. So they are open. This is, this is your chance to say, this is the spot, all right? So it doesn't have to be the all-time favorite, but we're gonna do some free plugs here. What's, what's your spot that you love to go to and why? So you got one, Vance? I do. Um, I'm a uh, steak lover, and okay. so I would recommend Gibson's. Gibson's, classic. All right, all right, all right, nice. I'm gonna go rogue because it's a beautiful day out. So you're gonna to have to go to the suburbs for this. Whoa, wait, what? <laughs> I know there's a lot of Oak Park, but I'm, we got people who live I'm in the hoping suburbs. You, I'm hoping you're about to say Chili's, go on. It's so, <laughs> I love Chili's. That shows what you think of my taste. I love Chili's. <laughs> no, I'm going Johnny's Beef in Elmwood Park on North Avenue. Have a beef, but most importantly, have an Italian ice. It yes. is the best. Worth the drive. Yes. All right, awesome. Eladio, what would you say? I didn't really get a chance to eat a good breakfast today, but normally for breakfast, I go to Sweet Maples. Sweet Maples, yeah, right there. Yep. 
And we've met, yeah, we've, yeah, we've on the stacks, but Sweet Mabel's is nice. Yeah. It's small. You got to get there and be ready to wait. That's right. That's right. It's worth it. I think we've met there before, Vance. Okay, uh, Yolanda. So I'm going to go really rogue. Oh, rogue. We got some yes. rogue agents up here. Okay. So no restaurant. My oh. mother-in-law cooks every first Sunday. Okay. You're all invited. That's she always day. cooks for an <laughs> okay, army. So if you haven't had soul done. food, Roseland is where she lives, and done. that's the place to be. Done. I, I believe this is the first Sunday of the month. So we all know where we're going afterwards, so that, you made what, it so much what time? easier. What time? What time? What time? What time? What time? And does he have to wear socks or not? That's what we want to know. No socks. No socks allowed. Okay. Okay. So I'd love to hear from each of you. Um, as you, you, Each of you serves in different capacities and sees the city in your own unique way. We love this city. All of us would say we love this city. Whether you live in it or not, we love this city. And we love the city enough to see its brokenness. It's beautiful and it's broken. What would you say is one of the biggest challenges facing our city right now? What would you say, Yolanda? Yeah, I would say violence, um, and it's layered. And so when you begin to unpack the reasons for the violence, I think we'd find that underneath it lies a lot of things um, that are related to poverty and systems that are broken, inequalities. And so I think, you know, violence is a symptom of that. And because we have national attention right now, that it's one of the things that we have to address right away. Systemic violence in our city. Yeah. Eladio. Yeah, I would say it's a challenge that our city has faced for a very long time, and it's the segregation and separation of people, right? You see it from the infrastructural uh, way that our city has been set up um, to the many various different systems that continue to separate us by race, gender, sex, Mm -hmm. age, um, and I think that's something that we have to continue to dismantle if we want to attack all the different inequities that continue to plague us. Yeah. Our city has a long history of that. You are right. Yeah, and still up to this day. Katie, what would you say? I think I would take that segregation to a very personal level and talk about division in general between groups of people and between individuals. I always think of uh, the TED Talk from the Nigerian novelist Chimamande Adichie, who talks about the danger of the single story and this tendency that we all have to believe that one fact or um, one thing we saw in the news is true about a person and not get to know them as full people. And so what happens when we fall into that is that sometimes we are believing false things, right? It's possibly inaccurate, but we're also believing that that single thing is all there is to know about that person. It's incomplete. And so I think that helps to sow some of the division. It's at the root of some of these other problems um, that you've heard mentioned. Yeah, we really, we love to paint, sorry, Vance, but we we paint in broad strokes, don't we? We we take, like you said, may not even be true, but we'll take one thing and apply it, especially when you think about the way the city's laid out. South side's all this. West sides, all that. North siders are all this. And we can do that with neighborhoods. We can do that with groups of people. We can do that with individuals. That single story may, is not the whole story. So that's good. What would you say, Vance? So Yolanda talked about um, violence and, and it being a global issue of the city. Uh, one of the things that is uh, really of concern to me in um, particularly uh, city government is the proliferation of guns, yeah. people's easy access to guns. Yeah. Uh, and the way that gun violence is um, causing often the life, the loss of life of young people. Um, I had an opportunity to speak uh, at a school recently, and I asked the young people, I said, by a show of hands, how many of you know somebody who's been a victim of violence? And every young person in the room Mm -hmm. raised their hand. 
And so it's one of the challenges we face. And then in addition to that, uh, issue of concern is, is our sensitivity, our availability to millennials, mm. our, our ability to listen. Uh, oftentimes they're, uh, they're, they're sharing that we don't listen. Mm. Um, and so I think we could do a better job being sensitive to and responding to the unique needs of millennials. Yeah, that's a good advance. Uh, Katie, you mentioned a second ago um, the single story idea and how we can tend to paint in broad strokes. And when we paint in broad strokes about groups of people, areas of the city, uh, what inevitably happens is that people, actual people, fall in the cracks in, in the midst of our broad strokes. And um, one of the, you know, a large group of people that fall in the cracks in our city are kids, students, youth, young adults. And you do a lot of work extensively with that age, that season of life here in the city. Talk to us about some of the unique challenges facing kids here in the city. Yeah, so I mentor serves high school students. We're trying to help put more of them on a path to college or post-secondary success. And we exist entirely because of those cracks, yeah. because our systems are not built to equitably serve every young Chicagoan. And we're fighting against this long history of racial and economic oppression that has distributed educational opportunity, opportunity unevenly. Yeah. So in Chicago, there are 105,000 Chicago public high school students. And CPS takes a survey every year of the freshmen. 69% of them say they want to earn a college degree but only 19% do by the time wow. they are in their mid-20s, 19%, wow. right? So what that tells us is it's not a lack of aspiration. Mm. It's not a lack of talent. Those things are equitably distributed. You can find them on every block in yes. every neighborhood in the city. It's a lack of opportunity. Yeah. And I think it's the lack of opportunity that our young people are contending with that sets up a lot of the challenges that we see later in life. And so putting people on a path to some sort of post-secondary success can set them up for a host of all sorts of positive life outcomes. We know they'll have more professional opportunities, they live longer, they're more likely to vote, they're more likely to volunteer, things I would argue this, uh, the city could use more of. Mm -hmm. And so helping get students on that solid educational footing can set them up for success in the future. So you do that through a one-on-one -on -one mentoring relationship. And just real quick, the highlights of that. How long is that relationship for? It's a three-year relationship, junior and senior year of high school, and then that first year out of high school, because we know it's not enough just to get a student yeah. to graduation. Yeah. We need to help them get settled in. And what's unique about us is that we work with whole schools. We actually have two school partners that are just down the block here where some of the Brown and Debt students ultimately go to high school. Yeah. We work with four public high schools. And we serve every student at those schools. So we're not cherry picking. There's no exclusive process. Mm. Every student deserves that equal opportunity. That's amazing. And I know you shared with me and you shared with us before, Katie, that you know, lots of times that can seem daunting. You know, three years, like, I don't know, you know, my phone contract isn't that long. Like, I don't know if I can do that. And yet what you found or what iMentors found, you found personally, and many folks in our church have found, is that the amount of time poured into this relationship um, is, is returned tenfold for those who mentor. I think we tend to think of, okay, to be a mentor, to be a mentor, I have to have it all figured out. I have to have answers. I have to be able to solve all their problems and answer all their questions. And that can, one, be intimidating because who actually knows all right. that and can do all that? 
But what you found is in this relationship that it, it is mutually beneficial, that it's like this symbiotic relationship where both are growing and transforming because of it. That's right. It's not a one-way relationship. If we're doing this right, two people are building a relationship across difference. One of them is an adult with a college degree, and one is a high school student, but both have things to learn from each other. Yeah, that's powerful. I love that. Uh, Yolanda, you are at Breakthrough Urban Ministries, and you've been there how long? 15 years. 15 years. That is amazing. We need to celebrate that. That is amazing. And Breakthrough's been around 26? 26 years. 26 years. And I know that uh, we were partnered as a church with Breakthrough from before we ever opened doors. Literally, before we even had doors to open, we wanted to partner with Breakthrough because of their legacy, their reputation, and the work at that time, largely, that Breakthrough was doing around those who find themselves homeless, find themselves without shelter, and the holistic way that Breakthrough wraps their arms around individuals and really cares for them. But the work has extended beyond just that. Yes, that but also more. To paint a little picture of what Breakthrough is doing and maybe kind of a story of, of how what you are doing, what you're learning, how you're growing is making an impact in East Garfield Park. Yeah, so we have added uh, to what we do, it seems like every year, and yeah. part of that is because we really are committed to listening to the community, involving them in decision-making, and then responding appropriately. And so what we've heard from our community is that we were providing homeless intervention services, we had a preschool and lots of youth activities and after-school programs, but we found that what was really important to our neighbors was that they feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so that safety issue just kept rising to the top. And uh, two years ago, we had an opportunity to really respond and our response was not um, kind of a high-level overview which a lot of organizations tend to do we decided to go really deep and so we have literally a street outreach team that gets a call we call it the bat phone mm -hmm. and they go out um, to real homicides and um, fatal and non-fatal incidents that happen in East Garfield Park and they are there to respond with the hope of one, stabilizing the area, but also finding out information so that they can reduce retaliation. We want to provide victim services, but more importantly, we want to know who was involved so we can offer the opportunity to be in relationships so that we can begin to meet some of their needs. What we found is that violence in uh, Chicago looks different in every community. We are a city of 77 neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. The most marginal lives are in 11 to 14. And then what that violence looks like is different. So in our community, it's an open air drug market. Unlike the South Side, it isn't really about gang affiliation. It's really about who owns this corner. And because it's open air, that means I can pick up my drugs and take it from one corner to the next, and that creates violence. And so just an example of how we've responded you know, we've said is if we can pay somebody to do GED training, mm. that gets them additional skills, but it takes them off the corner and it puts enough money in their pocket to actually incentivize you being off that corner mm. um, that you would work. And so those are the unique ways that we figured out how to meet the needs of our community and the 40 blocks um, that we serve and then the greater East Garfield Park community. That's amazing. Uh, so two things real quick. If you've ever heard me say as a church, we're proud and privileged to be partnered with Breakthrough. Do you understand what I mean when I say that now? 
Can we just celebrate the work that they're doing in the city? And specifically, in East Garfield Park. And I think, Yovana, what's fascinating about what you said there is as the ministry, as you said, year over year of breakthrough continues to grow and expand, your focus has gotten more micro. You are, you are not looking... So this is what's incredible about Breakthrough, is they have been committed to East Garfield Park since they opened doors. And it would be very easy. They've been a very successful and blessed organization, great leadership, great staff, to say, well, let's just take this to every neighborhood in Chicago. And what they've done is they said, no, this neighborhood. And not only that, now you're getting down to specific blocks. And not only that, you're getting to corners of those blocks. And not only that, you're getting down to how do we care for the children on this, in this scene, like in this moment or in this block, in this corner right here. How do we care for the adults that paying someone to get their GED, to get them off the street so they're not selling drugs? That is, that is brilliant and creative. And I think a lesson for us in that is that when you hear about the realities of our city, the realities, right? It's beautiful and broken. It can feel so overwhelming. And you go, I don't, how do I even possibly, where, would I, where do I even begin? And what I love about what you have done personally and what Breakthrough has done is said, right here, we're going to stay rooted and committed and connected right here. And we're going to do this thing to, for this neighborhood over the long haul, not just kind of flash in the pan over the long haul. And that is uh, commendable and a great example and a model for each of us individually. So uh, that's incredible to me. I think a, a minute ago, Vance, you mentioned... Um, you mentioned gun violence, specifically gun violence, and then you also mentioned a, 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 a lacking of relationship between the city and millennials. Um, and this is so crazy to me. Uh, there was a, a study I read last year that the West Loop, the neighborhood that this church is in, the West Loop has the highest congregation of millennials of any neighborhood in the country. <laughs> that is a lot of lifestyle bloggers in one neighborhood. That is incredible. <laughs> Now, our, our Instagram stats are through the roof in this neighborhood. So, so all right, so ha, 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 millennials. Okay, so, uh, and the majority of this church is millennials. The vast majority of this church are millennials. And Vance, you will be pleased to know we actually have a real-life millennial right here with us in Eladio right here. So, I mean, he's right here. And so, uh, yeah, give it up for millennials. And so... Okay, so this is really interesting. A lot of you, you have uh, been, were an activist in high school. I mean, that started for you at Whitney Young in high school, and then an educator here in the city. But then you most recently ran for alderman in this last election. You've helped other campaigns in the past, but then you ran. You, this is very important. You went in, you entered into the arena. It's so easy for us to point at other leaders and politicians, oh, they're this, oh, they're that. You said, I'm going to step into the arena. I'm going to, this is going to cost me of my energy, my time, certainly my resources. Running for alderman in the city, it's tough to come out of a process like that clean. And when you and I had breakfast right after the election, to see your integrity intact and to see you even getting a bigger vision for your life past this last election is, is inspiring to me. And all of that by the age of 26. Yeah, 26. So... What are you doing with your life? That's all I'm going to ask. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What have you done? So what, I don't even know what I had done at 26. Okay, so what made you kind of get off of the couch or get off of putting someone on blast on Twitter or Instagram or whatever? Those things are all fine and good. To actually get in the game and say, I'm going to do it. What led you to do that? Well, shout out millennials, first of yeah, all. Shout out to millennials in the, in the house. Yes. Um. 
No, I, I think my wanting to serve the community has been fostered in how the community has served me. Mm. Right? Uh, I'm a son of two immigrants, uh, both from Mexico that came here at a very early age, that came here with the hopes of providing a better future for their family. Mm. And they've been able to do that being working class their entire life. Mm. Right? But we also had real working class problems, problems that I often talked about during the campaign. I had a dad who was an alcoholic, who's domestically abusive. I had a brother who joined a gang and ended up in prison and has been in and out of the system uh, his entire life. Mm. Um, and for me, it was the members of a community that came in and filled those spaces that were mm. empty in my life that did not mm. exist in the family. Right? It was my neighbor, Theo Bob, who isn't family but raised me just like it, who shook me when I needed it, but mm. also guided me mm. when he had to. Right? It was my teacher, Ms. Deutsch, who taught me how to uh, become a better writer. It was my counselor at Whitney Young who told me I could get into Johns Hopkins. And then when I did get into Hopkins, it was the various professors and activists that also led me and made Baltimore feel like home. Mm. Um, and so for me, coming back and being a diverse learner instructor here in the city was my opportunity to give that back to, to the various different youth in our city but there was still a large hole that existed in the community, right? They wanted a public servant that looked like them, that sounded yeah. like them, that knew what it felt to struggle. Um, and that's why I threw my hat in the ring. Yeah. Right? It was another way for me to serve the community, yeah. uh, just like they've done all, all my life. Yeah. So. I think that's a powerful thing, and I commend you for, for doing it. It's not an easy thing to do. But I think what you just said there, a lot of you, was really important. It's that you there's something to be said for roots, for having some roots in a community. For you, it's Pilsen, right. it's southwest side of here, Chicago, it's your neighborhood, it's all of that. But I think there's something to be said for that because you nourished and grew from those roots in that community. And then as you grew, you were able to turn right back around and do the exact same thing right back into that community. And I think it is so easy these days to live our life at a distance or always on the move, going from this thing to that thing to this thing. And there is something to be said for having roots to draw from and to pour back into. And I think your life is an incredible example of that. And that's, a, I think, a, a really important point for all of us uh, to pay attention to and to get. So Thank you. And all glory to God and glory to the community that God worked in in order for me to be able to be that, right? Because um, I wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for the people around me. Came before you. Right, yeah. exactly. And so my mission is to do that for yeah. people after me. I love that, man. For the next millennials of the millennials. The millennials of the millennials <laughs> of the millennials, right, right. One day you'll be old, sitting on a stage. Yeah, yeah that's right, all right. Well, that's incredible. Um, now, Vance, you serve in a really unique role of, of any of us on the stage. You have served in the mayor's office of Chicago for how many years? In January, it'll be 25 years. 25 years this January, that's incredible. So you've worked in the mayor's office for almost one whole Eladio. You, you, <laughs> if you, we measured in Eladios, you've been there almost a whole, one whole Eladio in the mayor's office. It's incredible. That's Thanks, incredible. Jared. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. So you served in several different roles, uh, but most specifically, you have been a bridge. And what I mean by that is, is that we have a value, a notion at the very least, but a value of a separation between church and state, the kind of the way we set our country up. But you are actually a bridge between church and state, or in this case, church and city. And you serve as a way of connecting 
churches and temples and mosques and synagogues to each other. You've done a brilliant job. I've personally been blessed by that for opportunities you've brought me on on to meet other pastors and leaders, faith leaders in the city. But then you also connect the work that they're doing back to the city and up to the mayor's office and, and help connect those dots where the two can actually, again, be mutually beneficial by being in partnership and relationship, or at least in the very least in support or help to one another. Um, so w- given that, given that you are a pastor, given that you um, have had faith and relationship with Jesus at, as a part of your life from when you were a little kid, why to you is the church so important uh, in the city? Why do churches matter for the sake of the city? You, you, I, you're, you're right. I, I agree. I've, I've um, sat across the table from two mayors at some of our city's most vulnerable periods. Um, uh, I can think of a particular weekend where 80 people had been shot, and most of us have read the paper when we've seen these weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, 80 people were shot, and I want to say 15 were fatal victims. Uh, they were uh, homicide victims. Uh, and while we were marshalling the resources of the city, and, and I want to commend both mayors, mm-hmm. uh, brilliant people, very resourceful, uh, deeply committed to this city, love this city. Uh, but I watched those two mayors pull their hair out because the challenges that our city faces are people-centric, if I can use that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, our, the, the challenges we face often are, they come from people. And so to suggest that government is going to fix them, let, let me say what the superintendent said at a press conference recently, when he's being peppered uh, about questions about what he was going to do to help fix the city from its crime problems. In response, he said, you know, we're marshalling the resources of technology, we're putting cops in neighborhoods, we're taking them out of administrative places and putting, putting them on hot spots. He said, but we're not going to arrest ourselves out of the problems we face. Hmm. We're not going to arrest ourselves out of the problems we face. We are not going to arrest ourselves out of the problems we face. What a wide open mm-hmm. door for the church. That's right, Vance. That's right. Can I talk to some real people today? Yeah, come on, Vance. And having worked for two mayors and worked with a slew of department heads who are all tasked with sitting around the table and helping the mayor to think about what we, how can we better respond, I can't think of a more, and and to be sure, we have great leaders who run departments. I can't think of a more radical response than what the church can do through radical love. That's right, that's right. I said radical love. That's right. I can think in particular to a particular neighborhood uh, in the 15th district, which is Austin, Mm -hmm. uh, where we had one of those brutal murders Uh, And the mayor asked me to ask the pastor, uh, as I was sitting with the superintendent, what can we do? There's a church over there. Vance, you had me go to a church. Can we ask that pastor to adopt the corners, to adopt the block similar to what Mm -hmm. Breakthrough does? And they did. And literally after six months, they measured the shootings and the violence, and it went down significantly because of the presence of radical love of a church who went door to door block by block, and had presence in that neighborhood. Yeah. That, that's why I think that the church is the most powerful institution that can impact and transform our city. In fact, I would go as far, and I know this is being tweeted on live, come on, come the, on. Future, the future of this city yeah. 
is the radical love yes. that comes from houses of worship, yeah. people, pastors like Jared and others, and people like all of you who leave the seats yeah. and enter into the streets with radical love. That's right. Face to face, people to people, block by block, house by house. That's, right. That's the future of our city. That's right. Yeah, I love the way you say it, the Bonhoeffer quote. Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer said it, uh, that the church is only the church when it exists to serve others. Yeah. And I thank God for churches and pastors like you and across Pastor Cy Fields, who is very active also in East Garfield Park and what Landmark does to literally go from the seats into the streets of blocks and face-to-face -face love people. Yeah, I love that, uh, Vance, that, that mission, that it's not complicated. Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself your literal neighbor, the people in your neighborhood, the people in your community. And it is um, heartbreaking and frustrating when I see churches that lose that mission. And sadly, it's way too easy to lose because we make it all about ourselves, we make it all about buildings, or we make it all about whatever it may be, our little systems and our little way of doing it. And we lose that central critical mission of love God and love others. And if the church, which is already a spiritual community, organizes pretty regularly, what other organization gets to have a weekly gathering like this, you know, where everyone can come together and hear from the heart of God. And when that mission is lived out, I think you're right. I think the future of the city and cities all over are directly transformed for the better because of it. Um, so, okay. So Katie, you um, serve in a unique role on this panel because you are not only your day job is not only at iMentor, but you have another job, an unpaid job here at the church as an amazing volunteer here in this church. You've been at Soul City four and a half years. Four and a half years. And um, are a huge part of, <laughs> giving up for four and a half years, uh, a huge part of helping people kind of find their gifting and talent and helping them kind of get in the game and get beyond themselves. And I think, again, it's really easy to hear about this and be inspired and even feel a little activated but not know what to do next. And so for you, as a volunteer here and as someone who's doing incredible work through iMentor, how can all of us sitting here watching online take a step? Like, what can we do to respond to the irrefutable and the irresistible call to love and justice? Get out of our own way. Yeah, get out right? of our own way. Figure out what it is you can say yes to. I, I think it does seem overwhelming to think about the volume of things that need support and the volume of challenges that the city faces. And it can even seem overwhelming to think about this irrefutable call on our lives to act justly and do mercy, right? Where do you begin? So I go back to um, a quote from Helen Keller because I'm a quote nerd. I've been collecting them since college. I keep a little notebook. It's totally analog. It's not very easy to use these days. But, um, but she said, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything but still I can do something. Mm -hmm. I will not refuse to do the something I can do. Wow. And so I think the way you overcome that overwhelm is by figuring out what that something is for you. Mm -hmm. And it could be being on this response team 
at Breakthrough or serving lunch in one of their homes or running for a political office or being a community organizer. It could be... A lot be... of you just don't do it. <laughs> don't recommend. Don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> um, it could be working through Love Works, right? That was one of the, I think, incredible things about Soul City that drew me here in this first place is that there is this incredible community orientation. So go to Enlace and or go to El Salvador and serve with Enlace or become a mentor or join the Love Works One Day Serve that's coming next month. There are a plethora of ways to get started, but what's important is that you get started. And, and what I would say is that when you figure out what that something you can do is, don't be worried that the person sitting next to you probably has a different something, mm -hmm. right? All of us will be called in different ways, will be attracted to different community opportunities, and that's actually a pretty beautiful tapestry yeah. of the ways that we can come together as, as the church and as a community to give back. Yeah, I love that. So to not get in our own way, to not tell ourselves or God no first, you know, well, obviously there's going to be obstacles and challenges, but so often we don't even get to those because we just say no right out yeah. the gate. But to really keep saying yes and keep saying yes to the next thing and the next thing that God uh, leads us to. I'd love to hear from each of you um, in closing here. If, we, if, if you had one hope or one prayer for the church or most specifically for this church in this city, uh, what, would it, what would it be? What would be your hope or your prayer for, for us? I would say first just recognizing that Chicago is a city of 77 neighborhoods, yeah. marginalized areas, 11 to 14 of those neighborhoods. Yeah. It's doable, right? Yeah. This is a problem That's that we can right. eradicate. Yeah. So I would say as believers, prayer. We can never underestimate yeah. the power of prayer. Yeah. Ephesians is clear that this is not a battle that's fought in flesh and blood, yeah. but the systems that we've all described are really governed by spiritual wickedness in high places, yeah. and they are only brought down through the power of prayer. Yeah. The second thing I think um, my hope for the faith community, this one and all of the ones that are open, is that we would learn um, mm -hmm. that cultural incompetency crushes those that we seek to be in relationship with. Say that again. That's powerful. Say yeah, that again. Cultural incompetency. It crushes those that we seek to be in relationship with. And so we have to find out um, who people are yeah. and understand their cultures, their experiences, their backgrounds. Um, we have a trauma-informed model that says, even if I don't help you recover the way that I'd like, I won't do you any more harm. Yeah, that's good. And so it's learning, right, about others. Yeah. So pray, learn. And then do. And then do, yeah. Don't forget the last part. Because yeah, it's easy to do. You can kind of absolutely. get stuck in all of that. Yes. But And also do. do. So it's not a linear. Right, you, it's all You do as you pray, pray and as, as you, you learn. learn. As you, yeah, that's so good. Uh, what would you say, Eladio? Dr. King says... Our life begins to end when we choose to stay silent about things that matter, right? And in organizing, power is simply the ability to act. So my prayer and my hope is that everyone recognizes that they already are powerful. They already, that power already exists within you to do something, right? So an organizer's job not is, is not to empower you because you already have that. Wow. So my, my hope and my prayer is that um, in this church and in this city, people start to see their own power and use that to act. Yeah. Right? And when we have that as a community, then that's when we truly have a movement for transformation. 
That's awesome. That's powerful. Katie, what would you say? I think my hope would be that all of us would get in the game, that we would figure out not just how to be consumers of this place and of our communities, but actually citizens, people who are part of creating the communities that we want to be in and the change that we know those communities need to see. That's awesome. Reverend Vance. Yes, I heard uh, a quote that seems like the theme here is action. Uh, and I heard a quote that, it, uh, and it was talking about religious people, it said the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. Yeah. And so I, th I think our challenge today as we hear the theme of action, uh, that we would be stirred, those who are stirred today, uh, that you would move from being stirred into serving. Yeah. Um, Dr. King says life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are we doing to serve others? Yeah. Jesus challenges us to love God and to love our neighbor. Yeah. And so I, my prayer today is that you leave here uh, with a commitment to serve. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we could go on and on, but I just, I want to uh, thank and bless each of these folks, this panel. Can we thank them today for their wisdom and example? Thank you. That's amazing. And I've been, I've been looking forward to this for a while now, to be able to have this kind of conversation as a church. Um, and it, it would be uh, one thing if we had uh, folks like this on our stage and teaching us like they have today, and then we were to say, well, there it is, you know, um, you got to go figure it out, go do something. I don't know. That wouldn't be helpful, right? I mean, because we've just, our hearts have been stirred and maybe you felt activated, maybe like, man, yes, this is aligning with what I've, these nudges and promptings I've been hearing and receiving from God. And so here's what we want to do. We're, we're a church that really wants to be as helpful as possible, spiritually practical as possible. And so what we want to do is give you um, a, a, a two next steps. It's like two homework assignments coming out of this. And the first one is uh, really simple. The first one is right after this gathering in the gallery, uh, iMentor is going to be there and some folks from Breakthrough are gonna be there. Um, and so you can just go right over to the gallery, which is right here in the second floor lobby, head over there. And if you wanna learn more about what they're up to, if you wanna get to know them a little bit more or even take a next step, that's right here. You don't have to go to a website. You can go, up, go to a human, a person and actually talk to them. And so go right to the gallery. Uh, right afterwards. And then you heard Katie mention a minute ago, uh, we are so excited. Coming up on June 8th, we are having an all skate, like all church um, serving day together where we are actually going to rally together to extend the love of God in a significant way in this city. And it's coming up on June 8th. In fact, uh, to get more information or to even sign up today, there's a number I want you to text and we'll put it up on the screen for you. And so go ahead and grab your phone right now. And all you have to do is just, this is not going to sign you up automatically. It's going to send you a link, right? So this is way easier than signing up for the marathon. All you're doing right now is just texting a number to get a link. But you can text 31996. And then it's just one word. Just put in loveworks. Like don't put a space between them or it won't work. So just loveworks uh, to that number. And that's going to send you information about our June 8th, Love Works Day, where we want to extend the love of God in a mighty way in this city. And um, I, I think stuff like this is important for us to rally around and rally behind. One of the great visions that we have and initiatives that we have for our church moving into the year 2020 is that we want to see every single person within these walls serving outside these walls. That we would do it in 
ways that are true to who God has made us to be in the neighborhoods where God has put us and to even go beyond our comfort zones to see everyone within these walls serving outside these walls. And that date coming up on June 8th is going to be a massive way for you to be a part of that. All we're trying to do around here as a church, everything we talked about today, everything we do as a church, as best we can, all we're trying to do is follow Jesus. We want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And as we talked about last week, where Jesus kept leading us was to poverty, our own poverty, how all of us are poor in spirit, and to how others are poor in spirit as well. And that we would actually come out of our own sense of internal poverty, get in touch with that so that we can come along and partner with others in theirs. And that really is it. We're not trying to create some great initiative. We're not trying to be a a social justice movement. We're trying to follow the life and example of Jesus who came and gave his life so that we could have real life and be able to offer that to others. That's all this is about. And so what I want to do is have you stand. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for you that we would do that in a tangible way today. Take a step to follow the example of Jesus and then we'll close out our time by worshiping Jesus together. Will you join me as we pray for ourselves and for this church right now? Uh, Jesus, thank you for the example you set, that you taught us, and then you showed us, and then you did it yourself. You gave of yourself, your life, for the sake of others. Help us to do the same, we pray, in real, and even at times seemingly small and important ways, from how we pray for our city, that we actually would pray for this city. And God, we do. We pray for the city of Chicago. Help us love it like you do. Help us to see where you're at work and to get behind it here in this city. And that we would learn, God, that we would walk humbly. We would learn and understand that people are more than just a single story, more than just a broad stroke. That we would have our paradigms and our prejudices and our preferences expanded and even at times blown up and blown away to see people as you see them. And that we would actually love justice and mercy like you do. Jesus, thank you that that is what you offer to us mercy beyond what we deserve. Help us to do the same, to just offer that same mercy to others. Jesus, we cannot do it without you. We need you. We love you. And we want to follow you with all of who we are. It's in your name that we pray and sing. Amen.